So if anyone ever asked me if I played sports in school, I say yes, but I, I, I always kind of hope that they don't ask too many questions because I'll say something like, yes, I played football, basketball, and cross country. Uh, that sounds pretty awesome, right? But if they ask me more questions, uh, they soon find out it's not near as glorious or awesome as uh, maybe I made it sound or as other people's experience in high school or, or middle school was because I played one year of middle school football. We lost all of our games. <laughs> played two years of basketball, but it really wasn't uh, competing at like high school level. It was like city league because I was homeschooled. <laughs> and then I, I did two years of cross country, which was also kind of city league. But of all of those, I never won any races. Either. Uh, but of all of those, cross country really was probably the one that was the most intense as far as competition went, because we actually went to meets where schools came and competed. So, uh, and I remember in these cross country races, uh, I did 5k. Um, I was never super great at it. I thought my time was good, but it wasn't, it wasn't really that good compared to other high schoolers, but who, like who ran cross country, who did track or anything like that? Nice. Okay. So you remember when, when the gun goes off, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of anticipation, right? There's a lot of energy as you try to sprint forward, at least right at the beginning to get good position. So that's kind of, there's three different phases in my mind of a, of a race. There's the start, high energy, uh, you're trying to get good position. There's the middle, as you're running, you kind of settle into your race pace, right? You're kind of going. If you're like me, I thought I, I hit my race pace, but then I think it would kind of slowly slow down over the course of the race. And then I'd have to kind of re-kick it back up. And then thirdly, there's the end of the race where you can see the finish line. Personally, my favorite part, see the finish line. You know, if you kick it in as hard as you can, you're going to make it there. Uh, I think I was always funny to watch at the end. I would, I would sprint in, hit the finish line, and then a lot of times my legs would be so wobbly, I'd almost like fall over. Um, it, was, it was funny. It was funny to watch. So, you know, several places in the Bible, uh, the authors use different sports analogies to teach us certain truths about life. And I, honestly, one of the biggest ones is like it, it's like a race. Uh, the Christian life is like a race. Um, there's other ones. Boxing comes to mind. Paul uses that in 1 Corinthians um, but it's like a race and really those three phases, what I want to talk about today is running the race well. And like those three phases of a cross country run, there's really kind of the three zones kind of, of the Christian life. There's one, which is like starting out and there's a lot of excitement when you're starting out. There's a lot of new things to learn. You're just, you just feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose. Secondly, there's this phase you kind of, where you've been in it a while. And maybe some of you are here. This is kind of where I'm at. You've kind of been doing it a while. Things start to feel commonplace. Uh, lastly, you're kind of coming up to the end because um, you know you're going to die and meet Jesus face to face, which is exciting and kind of provides you that extra oomph to keep going. So uh, if you're in the middle like me, you're, you realize you kind of face some challenges. Um, Judah, quiet. <laughs> So um, there's, there's a warning in Revelation to the church in Ephesus uh, that stuck out to me as I was preparing this. There's a warning of a church that was doing a lot of things well, but they had been doing it a while. And the warning is, it says in Revelation 2.4, but I have this against you that you've abandoned the love you had at first. You've lost focus. And so I think this can really happen to us today. It's very relevant in the Christian culture 
that we're in. There's all sorts of big name pastors and teachers either falling into big time sin, like face planning, or walking away from the faith entirely. And I just was thinking, and I just put together a quick list. I'm like, man, this is all over the place. I mean, some of it's helped by social media. You hear about these things a lot quicker than you used to, but Ravi Zacharias, Joshua Harris, Carl Lentz, Marty Sampson, Mark Driscoll, Brian Houston, James McDonald, Paul Maxwell. I just, that was just the people that came to mind, like people that have either left the faith they didn't have endurance or they hit some sin um, that either they weren't open and honest about and it just stayed in the background and it grew until it became a big problem. Um, but they didn't endure well in the race. Now, thankfully, some of these guys are, are still really seeking the Lord. They're following Jesus. Uh, but things like this can happen to you, can happen to me. We're not immune. Um, none of us are above it. So maybe maybe you're not struggling with like a giant sin issue or something or thinking about walking away from Jesus, but maybe you feel like in some sense you've been thrown off kilter in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you feel like there's a lack of closeness with Jesus or something. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Cause I think as a church, we've hit some different things that maybe have thrown some people off. Um, and I want to address that. So things like, I mean, in, in my life, the labor and delivery of Judah was really hard. And it took my, kind of my focus off of, off of things that really matter for a while. Other people have faced that. Uh, tragic losses have hit a lot of different people. That's really hard. Um, and the fact a lot of us in the refuge, we've been kind of going for a while. So things like complacency can set in. And you feel your pace kind of either distracted or slowing down a lot. Uh, even life, like big life change things. Like a lot of people have gotten married, had kids. That can actually really be something that throws you off in big ways. So this is something God's been teaching me a lot about. Really the need for endurance um, is what I've been learning a lot about and I want to teach on today. So our main text is in Hebrews 12. So if you turn in your Bible there, we're going to be looking at uh, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. And this honestly, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It just brings me a lot of encouragement. And so as uh, the leaders asked me to teach, this was, I was like, what's God been teaching me? Okay, it's this. And so I just want to teach on this. So Hebrews 12, uh, one through three says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from or such opposition from sinners so that you don't grow weary and lose heart. So a little bit of, little bit of background on Hebrews. We're not actually sure who wrote it. Um, there's a lot of people think Paul, I actually think Paul for a couple of reasons, uh, but there's other theories. Uh, the theme in Hebrews is really the greatness of Jesus and the greatness of the new covenant and how to live in light of those two things, the greatness of Jesus and the greatness of the new covenant. Um, chapter 11 is really key in understanding chapter 12, the lead up to chapter 11 is something like this. So since, uh, since Jesus is greater, 
than angels, than prophets, than Moses, than Aaron. Uh, and the new covenant is better than the old one. Um, how should we live in light of that? And then Hebrews 11 points us to some examples. Hebrews 11, who knows Hebrews 11? It's called the, the what chapter? I was thinking the faith chapter, but you're right. The hall of faith sounds better. Okay. Uh, yeah, the hall of faith. There's all these examples of men and women who ran the race well uh, as far as faith goes. So Abel, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Moses, on and on. Men and women who believed God and acted in faith. Who's, who's read it? Have you, has anyone like not read Hebrews 11? I'd highly encourage you to read it. Let's be encouraged by these. Check it out. <laughs> Go read it. So, I mean, they ran the race well. There, there's examples for us. Now, did they run the race perfectly? No, but they did. They did a good job and are examples for us. So take a look at, um, I want to point this out. The first word is therefore, you've probably heard this before. Uh, whenever, uh, whenever words therefore is there, you want to know what it's there for. Um, thank you. Um, and so that word ties 12 back to uh, chapter 11. So um, I think this is one of the cases where the chapter breaks aren't super helpful. In fact, they kind of cause us to put a distinction between 11 and 12. That's not, that's not helpful, but this comes right after in the writing and the therefore is, the therefore is pointing back to the men and women of faith that just went through the list. Of. So, and then I also wanted to point out the word um, witnesses. That's the word um, we get that from. That word comes from the word for martyr. Um, the word for martyr means witness, but more definition was added to it later, meaning someone who also died for their faith. So the translators use witness. It's actually more of an appropriate term to use. They're witnesses of something. And then I also wanted to point out the word um, to run the race. Let us lay aside and run with endurance the race. The race comes from the word where we, that we get like agony from it's very similar so the point is it's very difficult it's not an easy race it's very difficult so think think hills and things you got to go around and stuff like that so it's not an easy race so um if you've ever heard teaching on this on this passage you probably you maybe heard something like this and this is honestly what i used to believe uh, about this passage that it was setting up a scene for us and the scene is that um, there's a stadium and there's all these men and women of faith in the stadium and they're watching you go around the track and they're cheering for you and encouraging you. Who's kind of heard that or maybe thought that about this passage? Yeah, I kind of, I want to put that out of your mind and give you uh, what I believe is a different um, image that this gives us. And the question is, what are these people witnesses of or witnesses to are they witnessing you or are they witnesses to something else and i would argue uh, instead of the scene that they are witnesses to you cheering you on they're actually witnesses to the life of faith and um how god answers and responds to faith they're witnesses to the great value of living a life of faith so we're surrounded by a great multitude of examples witnesses. I don't think they're witnessing to us, encouraging us. In fact, there's very little 
you could make a case, but there's very little in the Bible that suggests that people are actually up in heaven watching uh, you and me. It's kind of a nice thought, honestly, uh, especially at a funeral or something like that. There's not a lot that, that points to that. This is one of the main texts that's used. And actually, I believe if you read it in context, you realize that's not what it's saying. It's saying that these men and women are witnesses to the life of faith, to the great value of living the life of faith. They're supposed to be witnesses and examples to us in that way. And so the idea is, since we have these great examples that did it like that, let's do it like they did it, right? Who wants to do it like they did? I mean, that's that's what I want. So but first, uh, something we got to realize, um, you got to be in the race first to run the race. Um, you can't just be sitting on the sidelines thinking you're in the race. So how, did, how does one enter into the race? How do you get into the race? You got to be born again to be in the race. And that's simply, it's simple. It's believing the simple message, message of Jesus, um, that you're a sinner. You deserve punishment for your sin. You're more of a sinner than you even probably realize you are. And you deserve punishment for that. Um, Jesus, God in flesh came and lived the life he should have lived, died the death he should have died, um, and now offers you today salvation. So if you haven't believed on that message, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, he offers you that today. Um, so that's how you get in the race. Cause when you believe that he gives you his spirit and you're born, you're born again, you're in the race. Then. So if you're truly a follower of Jesus, you are in the race. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You're either in the race running well or you're in the race kind of not running well. You know what I mean? So, again, the idea is since uh, since we've got all these great examples surrounding us, the, the, the word is a, a cloud or a multitude of these, of these witnesses to the life of faith. Let's do it like they did it. Let's run this race like they did it. So, I think this passage lays out two specific things to do uh, in which to do that well. And so one is to throw off everything that hinders and to also throw off sin that entangles. That's the first part. The second part, which we'll get to later, is to run the race with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus. So there's kind of a two part. It's like throw off stuff that hinders and entangles. And the second part is fix your eyes where they need to be fixed. So that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time. Uh, the first part is things that hinder and sin that, that entangles us. So I think this, I mean, the sin one's pretty, pretty uh, obvious, right? It's like, if you're in known sin, habitual sin, you're obviously not running the Christian life, the Christian race well. You're hindered in a, in a big way. So I was thinking to kind of keep with the race analogy, sin, sin would kind of be like something in the, in the track or uh, on the course. It's like a giant log and you're running and you see the log, you know, there's no way you can make it over it. You should probably just go around it. But for some reason, you think it's going to, like, bring you so much joy to, like, try to run into the log. I don't know why. <laughs> that you just run into the log and you trip and you face plant. And then you get up. And at that point, you've got a choice. Like, are you going to do the same thing again? Or are you going to kind of go back around? And a lot of us have faced this, the battle with sin. You kind of get up. and You're like, well, maybe next time I won't do the same thing. And you don't change anything. And you, go, you end up going right back around and hitting the log again and tripping again. And you're like, why did that happen? I don't know. Uh, we kind of do that with sin, don't we? We don't deal with it uh, as intentionally as we should. And so we keep like tripping over it. Um, another analogy I thought to kind of keep with the race analogy is, um, uh, so imagine that you're in the race and off to the side, you see um, an area with a sign and it says, danger, keep out, quicksand. And, and you think, huh, maybe I could kind of run close to it, but I won't get in trouble. 
<laughs> All right. Well, some people do it. Maybe I can get as close to it as possible and I won't fall into it. And so you get close to it. And before you know it, you're in up to your ankles. And then before you know it, you're in all the way up to your waist. And you're like, how did I get here? I never intended to go this far, but now I'm in the middle of this quicksand and I can't get out. It's hindered you. It's trapped you. So that's how, that's some of the images I want you to have in your head about this sin entangling you. It will literally stop you in your tracks. Um, so if you have, it's a, and what I'm talking about is known sin. We all sin in many ways. Sometimes we don't even realize it, but the things in your life, you know, God's asked you to deal with, you know, are, are problems and you just haven't. That's the things I'm talking to you. It's going to hinder you in your, in your race. So that's, and that's one of the, this will be a plug for CD groups. That's one of the, uh, one of the reasons we have CD groups to help, uh, help us um, with our big sin issues. And sometimes I don't feel like going to CD groups, but then I realize, yeah, it really helps me and I need it um, in my life. So the idea is let's get radical about dealing with those sin issues. If you really want to run the race well, like these men and women of faith, and ultimately like Jesus is our example, we need to deal with these sin issues in our lives. Um, and that's one of the reasons here at the refuge, we're so, we're so big on holiness. Cause we all want, like, I want you guys to run the race well, and I want to run the race well. So I, I don't want you guys to be hindered and entangled with sin. And I don't want, like, I know you guys don't want me to either. So, um, to realize any sin in your life that you aren't dealing with, it's, it's a threat to you and hindering you. And it's also going to damage and hurt other people in the race as well. It's not just you. It's never just you. It's hitting, it's hindering someone else as well. Um, so that's the, that's the first part. I love that, that the author makes a distinction between sin and things that hinder, uh, because I think, and I know there are things in your life that aren't sinful that will hinder you. There's good things in your life that are sinful that will hinder you. Um, so I was kind of, I was trying to think what, what are some more analogies in the race that we can kind of think about? It's kind of like if, uh, have you ever seen, you probably never seen this because somebody would be a moron to do this, but like somebody in a race, like carrying giant dumbbells or something, it's like, dude, either you're training for the military or you're a moron. Like you're, you're not getting anywhere with this. Or um, I was thinking um, if you saw, if you saw like Brandon Highsong out for a jog, but he's wearing his skinny jeans. Like, dude, like there's no way you can jog well in skinny jeans. They're going to, they're going to hinder you. Um, or, um, <laughs> or, uh, you know, as guys, the dress you wear at weddings, the, the kind that hurt, hurt your toes and your feet are sore after you do the wedding dance or whatever. Like, can you imagine trying to go uh, on a jog or on a run in those shoes? It would, it would kill your feet. Um, or I also thought about like, uh, for backpacking people, like if you have that 50 pound pack trying to run again, you're, you're either in the military trying to train or you're just a moron. Um, so things like imagine these things, things that are good, they're not bad, but they're hindering you um, in your life. So if you notice a, a runner in a race, uh, some things you'll notice about them, they wear very little <laughs> uh, and they wear things that are very loose and light. So it doesn't hinder them at all. They're trying to get light and, uh, and, and not have anything in their hands or anything like that. So the point is um, things that aren't inherently bad, but can become bad. So you've probably heard this before. When a good thing 
gets in the way of the best thing or what God wants for you becomes a bad thing. It's kind of a catchy little jingle. When a good thing gets in the way of the best thing, it becomes a bad thing. Um, and that's, I've definitely found that to be true in my life for sure. So examine, examine your own heart right now. What are those things? And they're going to be different for different people. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's a point I wanted to make. This isn't an area you can really throw stones because there's going to be different things in your life that's, that are hindrances for you that aren't necessarily hindrances for other people. Um, the point is to get, to get honest with the Lord. What does God want you to get rid of in your life that's holding you back? I wanted to read. There's another place Paul... Um, hits on this analogy of a race and it's in first Corinthians nine. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, turn over, keep a finger in Hebrews 12, cause we're going to keep going through that. Go over to first um, Corinthians nine 24. Um, Paul hits on this analogy of a race again. And I think it just reinforces this idea of just do whatever possible to just run hindrance free and sin free. So first Corinthians nine 24, Paul says, don't you know, that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. So therefore run in such a way to get the prize. So if you think I'm going to run in such a way to get the prize, I'm not going to do anything that entangles me. I'm not going to do anything that hinders me. <laughs> Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They get, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we as Christians do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore I don't run as someone running aimlessly. I don't fight the boxer like that he's beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body to make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So the point there, Paul like, is saying, take it really seriously. Like, Do whatever you need to to avoid these hindrances and sin so you can run the race well. Like, Run it as if you're at the, like, you know you can win and you're trying to win it. Like you're at the front of the pack. So I wanted to get specific. And this, don't take this as like I'm calling any individual person out, but these are some things I know either in my life or other people that can uh, really be those hindrances. They're kind of common things. It doesn't mean if you participate in them, that that is the hindrance, but it very well could be. And so the point is just examine your life. Ask God if any of these things are out of balance in your life and need to be dealt with. So uh, social media, uh, video games, movies and TV shows, phones, and even I thought of sleep are kind of main things I would say I've, as I've talked with people, as I've uh, lived in my own life, I've realized those are hindrances. I've had TV shows be hindrances. I've had social media be hindrances um, in my life. So um, like I said, deal with those things, ask the Lord, um, and then be willing to be, to be radical. Um, I thought of uh, David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson, who's read The Cross and the Switchblade? Yeah, amazing book. If you start reading it, you won't be able to put it down. I love it. Uh, but he was a small pastor, uh, not a small pastor. He was a pastor. <laughs> yeah, he was a small town pastor. There we go. Uh, and he was, he was doing pretty well uh, in his little church. And he would spend uh, an hour or so every evening watching TV. Um, not a bad thing. TV is not inherently sinful. Um, but at one point, he was convicted to give up that time watching TV to... Um, for an hour of prayer. He said, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. And it was really during that hour of prayer as he started consistently doing it, that he really heard uh, from the Lord, God laid it on his heart to go to the street kids and the gangs in New York. And I just think, man, if he had not listened to God, if he had not laid off that hindrance, 
uh, that was hindering him, he would not have been able to hear from God. He would not have uh, been able to go to New York to have the impact that he did. And Teen Challenge is a direct result. I mean, that's where Dom's at today. So the impact is still um, is still going on. Um, so he had, he had been a Christian so long and God called him to throw off something that was a hindrance to him. So I think it's a little naive. If you have this thought, ah, there's really nothing in my life that's a hindrance. I think that's a little naive. I think all of us have hindrances uh, that are in, that are currently in our lives. Um, now, does that mean God wants you to stop anything and everything you're doing that's fun and only pray all the time? Uh, no, I don't think so. Again, it's a heart issue. It's something you got to deal with with you and the Lord. Or maybe maybe your mentor calls something out in you that he sees. Um, listen to those people that are close in your life because they can see and they want to help you. Um, Jim Elliott said, he's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Point being, it's, it's worth it. It's totally worth it. Anything you've got to give up, it's totally worth it. So that's, uh, that's the first part, throw off the hindrances and the sin that entangles. Uh, the second part is fixing our eyes on Jesus. Um, so it's running. If you go back to Hebrews 12, it's, uh, so we're still in verse 2, I believe. Um, yeah, we are. Uh, so run the race with perseverance that's marked out for us. Perseverance are the ideas like hopeful consistency. Who feels like they're super consistent in their walk with the Lord in the Christian race? Nobody. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're going for. That's what this is about, like encouragement to be consistent. Um, so hopeful consistency and then the race marked out for us. So how is the race marked out for us? I think it's clearly marked out in scripture. That's one of the big reasons we really push knowing the words of one. You're not going to know the things you need to do, the things you not need to do. You're not going to know these examples of faith that are uh, examples for you uh, if you don't know the word well. So we've got to know it or else if your path isn't marked out clearly in scripture, you're going to end up taking wrong turns all over the place. Uh, it's also marked out by those men and women of faith that went before us. Look to those men and women in, in Hebrews 11 or other examples in scripture. And then lastly, by Jesus himself, he marks it out clearly. What's God's heart? What's God's character? Um, so that's what I think the race marked out for us means. But really what I wanted to get to was the second point. So the first point, throw off hindrances and sin. Second point, fix your eyes or focus your eyes on Jesus. And so what you look at or focus on in the race really is key. It's at the heart. It's the central thing. So I was also trying to think of an analogy, and I really couldn't think of one for the running, but I, uh, I do some mountain biking. I don't know if anyone does mountain biking, the single track stuff. By the way, if you ever want to get humbled, go mountain biking with Tad Trap. You think, like, even if you're in the your peak condition, best shape, um, he will leave you in the dust. It's like his one of his spiritual gifts or something. <laughs> it's, it's unreal. Anyway, so in mountain biking, like you're on a, a tiny dirt trail and uh, you're biking along, it's really not, it's not good at all if you look directly in front of you because you're, if you're trying to like look and avoid all the little stones or whatever, you will, you will crash and you will become part of that trail. <laughs> Uh, you'll crash and burn. Um, what you want to do, what you want to do is you want to pick a point that's uh, quite a bit a ways away from you and focus on that and keep that distance. 
not look directly in front of you, but focus on something ahead. So that's the goal here is we're not focusing on things right here now, but we're focusing on, on Jesus. Um, I, th- I thought this was kind of reinforced by Matthew 6, 23 and 20, uh, 22 and 23. So you can turn there or I'll just read it real quick. The idea that what you look at and focus on affects everything else in your life. Um, this says the eye, this is Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. So the idea that what you look at or focus on or give attention to affects everything else. If, you're, if what you're looking at is not good, it's going to affect everything else in a bad way. So that's the idea here. Um, so the word for looking, looking to Jesus, the word for looking, it kind of expresses this idea of looking away from something and looking to something else. Kind of the idea of repentance, but in a different way. This is like focus driven. So get your focus off something and focus on something else. So what are some of the things I was trying to think, what are some of the things that um, are things we are not to focus on or said another way, if you focus on things, you're these certain things, you're not going to run the race. Well, um, so picture this guy running or you're running this, this race, one way to not do well, like the mountain biking, one way to not do well is to look down at your feet as you're running, you know, you're not going to see anything ahead. If you're only focused on your feet, maybe like, Hey, how good is my, my, my step pattern and my legs too close together, my steps too big or something. If you're only focused on yourself. That's the wrong focus. Self-focus is the wrong focus. And some Christians really struggle with just always focusing on themselves all the time, their own problems uh, and how everything else is affecting them. Another thing, if you, if you don't want to do well in the race, look at the things around you, right? Look at the trials, look at the things happening. Uh, look at, you know, the beautiful little pond over there as you're running, you're kind of, you're going to end up running this zigzag distracted. Uh, maybe it's, maybe it's busyness. <clears throat> maybe it's even you're focused on all these different things in theology and you're tossed to and fro. Um, so there's all these different things you could be focused on that are going to be distractions for you. Another thing to focus on, if you, uh, if you don't want to do well, <laughs> uh, focus on the other runners in the race. You know, hey, look at, hey, look at Michael over there. He's running. He's got a pretty sweet tank top on. Oh, man, I wish if I had that tank top on, I would be running so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I think there, I thought this was a good thing to say. I think there's, um, there is a healthy comparison and there is a non-healthy comparison. A lot of us struggle with comparison that is bad, meaning, um, if it doesn't produce encouragement or, and it only produces resentment and pride, that's, that's bad comparison. For instance, I'm like doing so much better in my Christian life than this person that makes me feel prideful. Um, or this other person is doing so much better than I am. I wish I was doing as good as them. So I'm going to just beat myself up about it. That's, that's unhelpful, bad, sinful comparison, but there is a good comparison that is to look at somebody that's doing better than you and to thank God for them. And to be encouraged, like God can get me there as well. Like I'm going to do some of the things they did. You know, Paul calls us, follow me as I follow Christ. Those Christians in your life, it's good. Like, look at how they're doing. Look at how you're doing. It's like, wow, there's kind of a gap there. But I'm encouraged by that. And I want to take some of the things they do well and and copy them. So I wanted to make a distinction there. 
Um, so those are some of the ways I thought that are improper focuses that we need to turn away from. If you're focusing on them, turn your focus away from them and focus on Jesus. So how do we specifically focus our eyes on Jesus? How do we recenter and go all in in this race? Uh, the passage again, I just gonna, I'm just going to keep reading it so it kind of imprints in your head. I think it's a great one to memorize. But it's fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you don't grow weary and lose heart. I don't know, have you ever felt weary? in your Christian life and you're in the race as we're talking about it. You're weary. I felt weary at times for sure. Um, stuff that makes us weary, hard stuff happens in life, really difficult, tough things that make us weary. Or just like I said before, uh, getting complacent and just growing kind of cold in your passion towards Jesus. Those, those things cause us to grow weary. And the, the antidote is to remember and think about, focus your attention on who Jesus is and what he went through for you. How often do you, like in your own quiet time, just recenter your mind on the simple things Jesus did for you, how much he loved you, um, what he went through for you? So the first part, he's a founder um, and perfecter of our faith. That really denotes this, the one who makes a beginning. He's the kind of the leader of this whole army of faith. He's the captain. And he promises to sustain you through it. It's only by his power um, that you're going to make it through this, this race. And he, he wants to give it to you. He wants you to succeed in this race more than you do. Um, so we're exhorted to look to Jesus as the ultimate leader and example to whom there's, there's no comparison. And then to think about what he did on the cross. He went through on the cross because it says the joy that was set before him. Have you, have you ever thought about that? Why does it say the joy? that was set before him. Um, I think there's two, two things that kind of compounded that joy. Uh, one is just the glory he was to receive from the father by completing it, this task to save sinners. But then the other was, I, I believe the joy of redeeming you because he loves you and you and I so much, this joy of having a relationship with each one of us. And those are the two things I think uh, was set before him. So he knew as he was going through that, that he had that, set that was uh, getting him through. Um, and then it says scorning and despising. Uh, it's shame. I think it's hard for us, unless maybe you've watched the passion the movie. I think it's hard for us to imagine the disgrace and shame and everything Jesus went through on the cross. I think methods today don't really even compare. So like the gallows or guillotine or whatever we kind of know today, don't even really compare to what Jesus went through. And this says he, he basically disregarded all of that for you, for me. I just think, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And praise you for that. And I like, it says um, that he sat down. He, he fin finished. And you know, have you thought about this? Um, all throughout the Old Testament, there were, uh, there were priests, and, but they were always standing. They were always doing things. There's always more to be done. Jesus sat down as our true and better high priest as an act of completion, that it is done, it is finished. He has conquered sin, he has conquered death on your behalf. Um, so 
The idea is focus, consider, dwell on, like let it percolate in your mind. These things that are true that a lot of times we just hear over and over and we grow accustomed to them and we don't really dwell on them. Focus on these key things. And I think if you consistently center yourself on Jesus like that, remember those things that you're going after. Um, like, why would you want to keep sinning? I ask myself, why would I want to keep sinning? What would it look like if I really believed those things and was running this race? Well, I wouldn't even be tempted by any sin if I was really going after those things. Like it would, the contrast is so great. Um, why would you want to hold on to any hindrances in your life, things that are weighing you down? You wouldn't. You just want to get rid of them. So if we, if we place Jesus in this exalted position like that, we think about these things, like why would you want, to, why would you want anything less? So like I said, this is something God's been reminding me, teaching me in my own life because we went through a, a pretty difficult labor and delivery. That was, that's been the latest the, the thing that was very difficult. I feel like kind of threw me off track a bit. Um, like Jude's been a joy, seriously. I mean, nothing's taught me so much about God's love than having a son. Um, but the, the labor and delivery was very, very difficult and intense. Uh, there was an emergency room visit after the delivery. There was a lot of like sleepless nights. I don't think I've ever been that tired before. And so for the next, uh, I don't know, my, my uh, CD group guys could probably tell you, but maybe a month or two months, after that, I just felt like I was like off. Um, I didn't know, I didn't know what it was, but a lot of times I was not getting up, spending time with Jesus. I was like so tired and kind of using that as an excuse. Like I had this new thing in my life. And so it's an excuse for me not to put Jesus first in my life, which is silly now thinking about it, but it seemed pretty legit at the time, but it was really a tad kind of, I was just sharing it all this stuff with him. And you kind of was just like, dude, you know, what's the most important thing in your life? You know what God's told you to do. Like sometimes you just got to muscle it and you don't feel like it. Sometimes you just got to muscle it. And so I can really attest that when you do that, and when you put God first like that, it really makes all the difference in the world. Um, so that's my encouragement to you, my focus, my focus was off. And it's so easy. Like good things can do that. Bad things can do that. Just shake your entire focus. So in conclusion, um, I wanted to just hit on a couple other passages. Um, Paul in second Timothy continuing the race analogy. Um, he says, like, as he's getting ready to end his, like his life is coming to an end and he realizes, and he looks back over his life. He says in 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, um, and I want this to be true of us. He says, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but all those who have longed for his appearing. And that struck me too. Like, do you, how often do you think about when Jesus is coming back? often do you focus on that? Do you really do you long for it? Do you earnestly desire it? A lot of times I don't, I don't think, I don't spend much time thinking about it, but that should be something that spurs us on in the race. Kind of like looking at the finish line, like think about Jesus coming back in glory. Man. Um, so I just uh, encouragement as a church, let's repent of the sins we need to. Let's get rid of all hindrances. Let's run this race. Let's refocus. Cause I think the mark of a, uh, the more you grow in Christ, the, one of the marks of a mature Christian is how quickly 
Do you recognize that you're off focus? And how quickly can you refocus and recenter and do those things necessary? Psalm uh, 119, the psalmist writes, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. So that's my prayer for us today. Um, here at the end, I asked Sam to play a song. Um, it's to turn your eyes upon Jesus. I thought this just captured this.